Welcome to Crossbound Ministries, where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word? You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. First John chapter three and verse number eleven is what will be today. First John chapter three and verse number eleven. Open your Bible and follow along with me as we look into and dive into God's holy word. The Bible says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. The Bible says this is a message that you've heard from the very beginning. We should love one another. It is so important to love one another to God. Absolutely. And this is a divine love. And you say, I can't love that person. I just can't do it. They're just mean. They're just ornery. They're just sorry. They're just no good. They're just not nice to me. They're mean to everybody. They do all kinds of crazy things. You say, I can't love that person. Can I just say, you're right. You can't love that person in and of yourself. But when you love them, through the eyes of Scripture, when you love them with a divine love, with a supernatural love, the Holy Spirit will enable you and empower you and equip you to love that person. And I know that your flesh cannot do it. Because why? It is a very hard thing. It's not natural to love somebody that's not nice to you. It's not natural to love somebody that is just flat out mean to everybody else. It's not natural to love a nasty person. It's just not natural. But you can love that person through the supernatural, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let me just tell you, it's not for them. It's for you. Oh, they get some benefits out of it. But God tells us to love that person, and you're the one that gets the true benefit out of it, that we should love one another. And absolutely, we should love our Christian brothers and sisters in Christ even more. You know, it's a hurtful thing when you have children and they fight. It's a hurtful thing when you have two sisters or two brothers or a brother and a sister, and they're at each other's throat, and they're doing all kind of mean things to each other. That truly hurts a parent at the core of their being because you two of them, you have two children that you love, that you would lay down your life for to save them, and they are fighting with one another. And most of the time, it's over ridiculous things. Now you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like a parent. He loved you enough to lay down his life to save your soul from the fires of hell. And yet we squabble with other Christians. Other Christians can't get along. 
they just said this or they'd do that or I don't like the color of their shoes or the new car that they bought or how dare they do that or what do they think they're doing? You think that doesn't hurt God? That hurts God at the core of his being just like it would hurt a parent when they see their kids fighting. And let's just be honest, most of the time it's over something that is ridiculous. Amen? That's what the Bible says, that we should love one another. It is a command. It is not a suggestion. It is a command from God Almighty that we should love one another. It is loving others like Christ loved us. Isn't that something? He laid down his life. He loved you so much that he went and endured the cross. And the Bible says that we should love one another. You see, we tend to think that, well, wait a minute, I'm not that bad. But I promise you, if you ask around, you've hurt some people. You've done some ornery things. You've had a bad day. You've been rude to somebody. And somebody still showed you love. Just like Christ loves you no matter what you did or what you do. Amen. The Bible says that we should love one another. And this kind of love cannot be done in your, it can't be done in your own personal strength. You can't do it. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that this can be done, that this can be accomplished, that you can obey the will of God. And can I just say, you're not going to be able to obey it. You're not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit if you've allowed sin into your life into your thought life, into your physical life, amen? You are not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit residing on you if you are living in sin. I can tell you what you'll be, though. You'll be bitter. You'll be ornery. You'll be angry. You'll be unhappy. Why? Because you are living in sin, and you cannot live it out. You will not be able to live it out to love one another without the power of the Holy Spirit, and it will show. You'll be angry, upset, bitter, mad, and it just tear you up part on the inside. Amen. So let's keep our lives pure that we may live a good Christian life. Just like the Bible says, love one another. I'm going to skip a verse here and I'll come back to it, but I want to read to you in 1 John 3, 14. For we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That is a good mark that you are truly saved, that you are truly born again, that you have love for the brethren, that you love the church, that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, that you love good Christian fellowship, that you love being in the church, that you love being under sound preaching and sound doctrine. The Bible says that you know that you have passed from death unto life. Because you love those things that the Lord Jesus Christ loves. Amen. That is a good indication that you know that you are born again. Because you desire the things of God. Look with me in the next verse. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Question mark. Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Cain showed that he was of the wicked one by murdering his brother Abel. Do you know what Cain, what Abel, what did Abel do 
for Cain to murder him, to slew him, to took his own brother's life. Not a stranger, not somebody he didn't care about, but his own flesh and blood. He murdered his brother. You see, there was an underlying reason. And the underlying reason is given in those words. Listen to the verse. Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Cain hated Abel. Because Abel was trying to please God. Because Abel was living for the Lord. Because Abel was putting God first. Abel didn't have himself lifted up saying, I'm better than you. You're not on my level. You're nothing and nobody. Abel was just wanting to please God and do the work of the Lord. And Cain hated that because his works were righteous. What? Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to have to do anything for the world to hate you. All you'll have to do is love God and do his work. And the world will hate you because your works are righteous and theirs are evil. And listen, can I just say it really has nothing to do with you. It's the Holy Spirit shining a light on their dark heart and showing them that they are evil, showing them that they need to be saved and they will hate you for it. But understand this, it's not really you that they hate. They hate God Almighty. You are simply there as a representative of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your light, when your light shines on their dark heart, it shows them who they truly are. They can't lie to themselves anymore and say, well, I'm a pretty good person. No, it shows them who they truly are. And they hate that. They hate it. And look, that's what Cain did. He hated it so bad that his brother's works were righteous. How dare you? What do you think? You're better than me? And Cain slew, he murdered, killed his own brother. And the world will do that to you. But you have to understand that it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. It has everything to do with being righteous. It has nothing to do with you. You are simply there as a representative of God Almighty. Amen? But let me just tell you, it shows them that they need to be saved. It shows them that they're going to die and go to hell if they don't get born again. It shows them where they truly stand with God. So listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You let your light shine. Amen? Be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up, stand up, ye Christian soldiers, ye soldiers of the cross. Amen. You live a fearless Christian life. Draw others to Christ with your light. Look with me now in the next verse. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Isn't that the way to say it? Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. The righteous life of a Christian shows a lost person how wicked their heart truly is. That lost person hates that exposure. And a lot of times, instead of changing and stopping and repenting of their sins, they'll turn on the Christian. They'll turn on them instead of getting right with God. 
It would be just as unreasonable for a person to destroy a ruler or a straight edge for showing how crooked the line is. Isn't that a way to look at it? If you saw a crooked line there and you laid your straight ruler down beside it and it showed them how crooked their line truly is and they get mad at you and they hate you for it. That's exactly what it's like. Your straight life is showing them how crooked they truly are. But you keep right on standing. You keep right on serving God. You keep right on praying. You keep right on reading your Bible. You keep right on witnessing. You keep right on telling your family about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, when you look at a crowd and you look at people and you look at them like they're hanging over hell and you have the message, you have the message that will save them. Give them that message. Give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I started viewing that, like a stadium full of people and they're hanging over hell and they're falling off into hell, but yet I have a message that God has given me. That's the plan of salvation that can save them. You need to give it to them. Amen. You don't know if they'll make it to tomorrow. You don't know if you will make it to tomorrow. Don't wait. Don't be shy. Don't worry about nobody likes you or if they reject you. Give them that saving message because I promise you their feelings will be hurt and your feelings will be hurt if you don't give them that message and they wind up in hell and you had that opportunity. Amen. Don't let that stop you. Step out on faith. Be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Pass out a track. Give the gospel message. Look with me now in the next verse. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. It's a remarkable fact that when you're saved, you have an entirely new different attitude toward Christians. You have a whole new attitude toward the church. You have a whole new attitude to the Bible once you get saved. And this is one of the ways... You you can receive assurance of your salvation that you love the things of God, that you desire the things of God, that you desire the sincere milk of the word. Amen. Listen to what that says. You know, you know, you know that you've passed from death unto life, that you have been born again, that the spirit of God resides in you, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because you love the brethren. Amen. You don't have to abide in death anymore. You don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. Amen. You know that you know that you know that you have been born again. You know, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is a good way. This is a good way to judge yourself, the Bible says. Look into that verse and judge your own self. You know that you have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Can I ask you today, do you love the brethren? Do you love the church? Do you love the scripture? Do you know that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know that you're not abiding in death anymore, but that you have eternal life residing within you? 
that you have truly been born again. Because just let me just say, that is the best feeling in the world. It will give you a peace that passes all understanding. There's no amount of money that could give you that peace. That when you lay down your head at night, that if you don't wake up in the morning, if you took your last breath, listen to me, that you will step out into eternity. You will be with the Heavenly Father forever and ever and ever. Amen. That is a peace that passes all understanding that you know that you belong to God and your name is written in his Lamb's book of life and you will spend eternity with him forever in glory. Hey, that is a feeling that is wonderful. That is a peace that passes all understanding. So a person who is not a true child of God, they might profess to be a Christian, but the scripture says, the Bible says that they abide in death. Listen to me, hear me now. There are many people that call themselves Christians. There are many people, but many of them have never truly been born again. Many of them don't attend church. No, you don't have to go to church to be saved. No, but if you are saved, you will desire to go to church. Many of them don't have a changed life. Many of them don't love the brethren. Amen. But the Bible says that death, they abide in death. So just because you call yourself a Christian, just because you've been baptized, just because you belong to a church does not mean that you are saved. No, sir, no, ma'am. There's no church that can save. There's no pastor that can save. There's no preacher that can save. The only person that can save is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, once you put your faith and trust in him, once you realize that you're a sinner in need of a savior, you repent of your sins and you put your faith and trust in the finished work of the cross that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. He has beat death, hell, and the grave, and you know that you can put your faith and trust in him. The Bible says that's when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that is that the first commandment to a Christian, to a saved person, is to be baptized. And all that is, is a public profession of faith that, hey, I have been saved. Hey, I have been born again. And you are showing the world by a public profession of faith that I have put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is about. Look with me now in the next verse. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Do you know that the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he? That if you hate your brother, that you're guilty of murder? Oh man, that's a stinger, isn't it? Because we've all had those feelings. Now that doesn't mean you're lost. That doesn't mean you're going to die and go to hell. But listen to what the verse says. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. In the eyes of the world, hatred is not a very wicked thing. But God calls it murder. God calls it murder. When John says that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, he does not mean that a murderer cannot be saved. The Apostle Paul himself was a murderer. He would drag Christians into the street and have them murdered, have them stoned to death. He most certainly would, but God used him. He got saved. 
on the road to Damascus, and God has used him in a mighty way to pen a lot of the New Testament, to be a great missionary, to go around and start churches and preach. Amen. God can use you no matter what you have done. God has a plan for your life if you'll but trust him. Look with me now in the next verse, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Hereby, I'm going to read that again. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Most of us will never be required to die on the behalf of another. No, sir. But every one of us can manifest, can show brotherly love by sharing our material things with those that are in need. And even here in America, there are many that are in need. It says, hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we understand. This is how we see the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And the Bible says that we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. When you see a need in the church, Fill it. You don't have to tell nobody. You don't have to ask nobody. You don't need no glory for it. You don't deserve the glory for it. God deserves the glory for it. If you see somebody that needs a tank of gas, hey, buy it for them. If you see somebody that's in need of food, get them some groceries. If you know a single mom that can't pay her light bill, pay her light bill for her. And don't even tell nobody about it. Give God the glory. Amen? God says, this is how we know the love of God, that he laid down his life for us. And we, and we, and we, that is me and that is you, ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Get out of your comfort zone. Get off the couch and actually do something. Amen? Show them the love of God. You don't need glory for it. You don't need to tell anybody about it. I promise you, if you go to your pastor and you say, I have a little extra of this or a little extra of that. Or what can I do? Who is in need of the church? Who could use this? I promise you, your pastor knows somebody that has a great need. Feel that need. Get in there. Do some work for God. Show him the love of God. Show God that you love him. Amen? Because if you do, hey, you're going to want to do things for the other one. Because the Bible says we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look with me now in the next verse, 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Question mark. John distinctly says that a man is not a Christian who sees his brother in need, but yet withholds from him what is necessary to help them out. When you see somebody's in need and you have what they need and you have plenty of extra and you say no and you turn a cold heart and you say no, it's probably their fault they're in that situation. They probably did something wrong. They probably squandered what they had. They probably misused it. They're probably too sorry to do this and too sorry to do that. The Bible says that you've shut up your bowels of compassion and it says how dwelleth the love of God in him. Can I just say, do you have the love of God in you? 
You know, that's not our place to judge. Oh, we're all guilty of it. Oh, we always uh, say, well, they probably did this. They probably did that. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. The Bible says if you have the world's goods and you see that they have a need, then you have an obligation to fill it. Why? Because the love of God is within you. Because the Bible says that if you don't, how is the love of God in you? Now, this does not justify just indiscriminate giving to everyone because it is possible to harm a man or a woman by giving them money too much for them to squander, to just buy stuff that they don't need. But the Bible does say if there's a need, you should fill it. And this does raise a very disturbing question concerning the, the accumulation of melt, the, 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 the you know hoarding of everything. Hey, the Bible says if there's a need and you see it, you feel it. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.